Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. My guest today is Pamela Ngubani and our topic is Shalom Salam. Pamela is a, the General Manager of South African Friends of Israel and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you here today, Pamela. Good morning, Hi. Sue. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor and a pleasure. I think you and I both uh, need to extend a, a big thank you to Dr. Les Glassman in Jerusalem. He introduced us to each other, and you spent a Shabbos with him and his wife. Just tell me about that. Yeah, I had been at the Institute for Israel Studies for Bridges for Peace, and after the program ended, I spent a couple more days in Israel, uh, just meeting some more people, and Dr. Les and Lucy, Lucy, they invited me to come to their house on uh, Shabbos evening, and then I went with them to the shul. It was my first time going to shul, so it was very special, first time going to shul and going to shul in Jerusalem, mm. and I was just really blown away by the dedication to scripture that I saw in the shul, and it just also brought together the whole experience, because I went there through Bridges for Peace, which is a Christian organization that stands with Israel, uh, to learn about Israel, to learn about why Christians should support Israel, and, you know, learning, going to shul and seeing how the Torah was being studied so deeply and extensively, it made me realize the debt that Christians have to the Jewish people, because they have safeguarded the Torah, they've kept it pure through so many years um, of Jewish persecution, being exiled from the land. You know, they never gave up on the word of God. They never gave up on the mandates that God gave them to be a kingdom of priests and a light to the nations. And that just brought it home. And then, you know, being at the Kotel, for example, and thinking of 1967 and that picture of those paratroopers and seeing how the Jewish people are back in their land it was quite an overwhelming experience and we're going to get back to that okay this is finding human with Sue Jackson only on 101.9 high FM Hello, this is Sue Jackson and I'm back with you on the Finding Human program and my guest today is Pamela Ngabani and we're talking about her visit to Israel and her, there she is um, part of, well actually she's a, you are more than that, you actually run um, <laughs> general manager of South African Friends of Israel. So we were talking about her, her visit to Israel, but before we actually go on to Israel, I would like Pamela to give us a bit of a background of her, her own parents and her own studies, um, because she is a historian. Tell me a little bit about your dad. 
So my dad uh, studied medicine at University of Natal. He was part of the SRC with Steve Biko. Ah. Yeah, and they were obviously very politically active. He grew up in a family in Njanga in KZN, in the Valley of a Thousand Hills area. And my grandmother, she, when my grandfather passed away, she dedicated herself to making sure that her kids all had a good education, mm. university education. So um, my father was nine when his father passed away. He was the last of six children. And my grandmother made sure they all went to university. So my uncle, first my aunt, my aunt Catherine was the firstborn, and she became a nurse. My uncle John became a priest through Marion Hill Seminary. Then my aunt Harriet went to Marion Hill too, and she became a teacher there. And through her, my aunt and uncle Ernest and Ernestine, who are twins, became went to school there. And then my father also went to school mm. at Marion Hill. So and education was very important to the family then. Yes, yes. She understood that education is the key to a better future. And, you know, Nelson Mandela said the same thing. Education is the key to creating a better life and a better future for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's something I tell everyone that we all need to really be focused on education. It's the only way we're going to fix this country. So he ended, he did, uh, all the way to high school at Marion Hill. My aunt Harriet Ngubane, uh, also, uh, as she taught there, she became an anthropologist. She went to Cambridge University. That's where she got her PhD in anthropology. Uh, she wrote a book called Body and Mind in Zulu Medicine, which debunked a hundred years worth of British anthropology, anthropological studies on the Zulu um, medicine culture. And you know, Pam, I've actually got something to say about that. My My brother, we were told he wouldn't live to be 12, and my parents got a, a faith healer in from um, KwaZulu-Natal Midlands, whether it was from Marion Hill, I, d well, I don't know, who actually came and worked with my brother. My brother never told us. He was about nine, I think, at the time. And um, my brother never told us what happened. But he came, and my brother lived to be a good age. Yeah, amazing. So there is the understanding that the body and the mind all come together in healing. It's not just a physical issue. It's a mental one too, spiritual one too. So that book was a bestseller uh, for years. Even now it's still referenced. And the Japanese, for example, use it in their environmentalism. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so my father studied all the way to high school. And like my aunt also taught at Marion Hill. He taught Latin. Uh, he was a great mm. scholar. He loved English literature uh, spoke Latin fluently and he loved classical music, which he gave that love he gave to me as well. I love classical music. He used to play it all the time. I used to listen and really got into just how deep and um, poetic that sound is, you know. And then from there, he went to study medicine at university, Natal University, and then he also, uh, I think, he specialized at Vits. He played soccer with Tara Lagotta at Vince, mm -hmm. and he also did boxing. And, yeah, he qualified as a doctor specializing in tropical medicine and worked in Natal with the Red Cross and became increasingly politically active. Uh, and because of his politics, we had to go to boarding school, me and my siblings, because 
you know, the police would come and raid the house. We were actually at school one time when the police, I mean, at home one time when the police came. Mm. And it was shocking. Like, you know, the ones in the brown uniform. Uh huh. Terrifying. Yeah, middle of the night. My little brother, he's like a year and a half younger than me, he was traumatized because he was sleeping and they came into his room Aww. with flashlights and, you know, and he, every time he saw a cop, a policeman after that in the brown suit, he would freak, totally freak Aww. out. So boarding school protected us from all that, you know. And you had quite a Western classical education. Yes. Mm. I went to King's School in Nottingham Road, run by the Carlisle Mitchell family. So Mr. John Carlisle Mitchell, um, he ran the school with his wife, Mary, and their 10 kids. Mm. Um, and they were very liberal with their teaching style. I think they had a philosophy that said, if a kid can ask a question, they deserve an honest answer. Mm. So we would ask questions and they'd just tell us, you know. As a result, we knew so much stuff that people were like, how the heck do you guys ah. know this? And they also taught us uh, Greek mythology, wow. ancient Greek and Roman history, and they taught us Shakespeare. Wow. So every year we'd put on a Shakespearean play. Uh, as our speech day end of year production uh, While I was there I was in a Midsummer Night's Dream I was one of the witches in Macbeth <laughs> With my two friends And then the two friends of mine We played, I was Brutus My friend was Caesar And my other friend was Cassius In a production of <laughs> Julius Caesar An all girl cast of Julius Caesar it was awesome um, Just let me go back to your dad And Nelson Mandela And um he was, and he was also with um, uh, Tabo Mbeki. Yes. So he was in Mandela's cabinet as the Minister of Arts, Culture, Science and Technology. He was actually the one who restructured the national anthem to include the stem. And he also returned the remains of Sarah Bartman from Europe. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. He must have worked with Dr. Jeannie, um, Professor Jeannie Rudolph then with the anthem. Yes. Yes, and he also found uh, was oversaw the establishment of the South African Large Telescope in the Karoo. Oh. So we went there for its launch. Um, I think I was in varsity by then. And it was funny. The professor was describing a aerial phenomenon. And I said, oh, a supernova. He's <laughs> like, how the heck do you know about supernova? I said, I learned about that in primary school. And he was like, there's absolutely no way. That's university-level astrophysics. I was like, well... Go talk to the Carlisle Mitchells in Nottingham Road. <laughs> they told me about a supernova. You know, so my dad was also very much about knowledge and education. Like you would find him reading his briefs at three o'clock in the morning. And one of the stories that you'd hear about Tabombegi, for example, Tabombegi was very thorough. He would have cabinet meetings and then he'd get each minister to report on their portfolio. And my father was always that guy who was totally prepared knew exactly what's going on. And he was Minister of Arts, Culture, Science and Technology. Mm. So it was a very huge portfolio. But he managed to cover all the bases all the time. Then he became Premier of Natal for a short time after Dr. Frank Mplalose passed away. And that was also a very interesting time. I was in high school then. Um, still at boarding school. Still at boarding school. St. Anne's this time in Hilton. And one year he spoke, and my brothers went to Michael House, so one year he spoke at the Michael House speech day. Then he spoke at the St. Anne's speech day. And he spoke at the Hilton speech day. Mm. I was in the band. And Hilton and St. Anne's had a joint band. So I saw my dad speak at two, three speech days in one year pretty much. Because I went to be part of the Hilton speech day as the joint band with Hilton. And what did that mean to you, hearing your father speak? You know, 
there's an element of mission and legacy that I think everyone wants to have as a human being. And I think that's what that gave me. However, I had to make it my own. And I feel now I'm sort of coming into my own in terms of my mission as a servant of my people. So he he was a servant of his people, very dedicated to his people. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Pamela Ngubani. And we're actually very adaptable, Pam, because we're sitting in the dark now. <laughs> very adaptable. If you'd like to get hold of us, please would you send messages through to... Um, um, Three four five one nine. What uh, and you can send a telegram through oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Now Pamela was talking about her dad, and I would like to know what was your dad's opinion of of um, Israel. He had the view that the Jewish people had a right to return to their homeland. He was very much of the view that Nelson Mandela had that the Jewish people have the right to express their nationhood through Zionism and return to the land and live in security in the land of their forefathers. As a classical scholar, he appreciated the ancient knowledge um, that the Jewish civilization was based on, as encapsulated in the Torah and in the writings of the prophets and the histories you know, of King David, King Solomon, uh, he appreciated that Israel and Africa had a strong connection going back to the time when Joseph went to Egypt and Jacob came with his sons and the Queen of Sheba going up to Jerusalem to meet King Solomon. Uh, he appreciated that the Jewish people had suffered a great deal from anti-Semitism in Europe and from persecution from their Arab neighbors uh, after uh, when they arrived in the land, back in the land in the 20th century, um, 18th, 19th and 20th century. And um, later on, when I started researching about Israel and, you know, speaking out after I came to understand what was actually going on, he said that um, Chief Justice Mohueng Mohueng's stance is the stance that all Christians should support. And what was that stance? The stance that as Christians, we are obliged by the Bible to pray for Israel, to love Israel, to support the Jewish people. Um, not just because we are supporting from a human rights perspective, which is very important. It's true. The Jewish people do deserve to be in a place where they can live in peace. And Israel is that place. Um, but also because of, from my father's perspective, what Israel represents, the rebirth of this nation in the desert where, through their own ingenuity, they were able to create not only a thriving civilization, but one that's also based on the Torah, where you see the menorah as the coat of arms, um, the names that are used like Knesset, um, the fact that leaders go to the Western Wall, um, that the calendar is still the lunar calendar, mm. 
you know, Hebrew is being spoken. And what was really interesting and still is like an amazing thing is that the Hebrew language has been brought into the 21st century. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. My guest today is Pamela Ngubani, and we have been sitting in the dark here because something happened with the transmitter. So I'm sorry if with the generator, we both have remained remarkably calm, actually, (laughs) Pamela, and we're back on air. So for all of you listening in, I'm sorry about that. Now, I would actually like to ask uh, Pamela, you know, your dad's narrative on Israel was one, one narrative. And now South African narrative has changed towards Israel completely, calling it an apartheid state. What is your view on that? Okay, first of all, it's not the South African narrative. It's the narrative of a few people. And it's not even universally accepted in the ANC. Mm. Um, It's just that those who are anti-Israel are so violent and loud that they appear to be in the majority, but they're not. It's unfortunate because, you know, one would expect the those who support Israel to have the courage of their convictions and actually stand up against the noisy bullies, but that's not always what happens. And, you know, just over time in history, we hear great men saying that, Einstein said it, Martin Luther King said it, it's not the evil people who make the world a terrible place, it's the good people who keep quiet and do nothing mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So... This is what South African Friends of Israel is trying to do. It's trying to get all those good people who support Israel to have the courage of their convictions and stand up and say, this is why we support Israel. So it's very important to educate people about Israel. Um, This is why, for example, um, the Tel Aviv heats weren't allowed to come here. Because when people Mm. see this multiracial... The rugby ones. Yes, Mm. the rugby team. When people see this multi-ethnic, multiracial rugby team from Israel, they're not going to believe the nonsense that Israel is an apartheid state. You know, there was, that was an impossible thing to see during apartheid as a black person in a South African rugby team, not even a colored person. Absolutely. You know, I, I went to school. The school I went to, King's, was um, stripped of its government support because it was the first private school in South Africa to allow black kids. Mm. And before that happened, kids used to be smuggled into the school in the uh, trunks mm. of a priest's car. You know, so they get a good education. So there's absolutely no way this apartheid narrative could be true. But I think where it comes from is it has its foundation in anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism comes from the fact that you have people who reject God's authority not being able to stand the evidence of God's authority, which is represented by the Jewish people. Um, There's no reason why the Jewish people should exist today, uh, given the historical trends of all the other people of the world. Um, Machu Picchu, they don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, The ancient Egyptians. There's that uh, poem by Ezra Pound called Ozymandias, where he talks about the statue of King Ramses, where he says, my kingdom will stand for a thousand, thousand years. And then he says, I saw the statue lying broken on the ground, covered with the sands of the desert. Mm. Who would have thought that the pyramid builders would no longer be alive today as a culture? And yet, 
ancient Egypt, um, and I mean, and yet ancient Israel uh, still survives mm-hmm. in its mm-hmm. culture, its language, its religion. And like I was saying before, the electricity went off. It's amazing that Hebrew, this ancient language that Moses spoke to the people, is now being used to create the Iron Dome and the camera pill <laughs> and the iron uh the new one now with the laser beams mm-hmm. you know it's being done in the hebrew language it's absolutely miraculous and there's no reason why this is happening except because there is a plan by the creator of the universe to have it so you mentioned the dalai lama to me when we were talking before coming in here what did you say the dalai lama said So the Dalai Lama was speaking to Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory, and he said to him, how did you guys do it? How have you survived for 2,000 years in exile, persecution, having to move around just to survive? We've been in exile for less than 100 years, and we're falling apart. And uh, Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs basically told him that it's because we know why we are here. You know, uh, so we have a mission. In, in other words, he said, "Yes, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a deep mission, and it's to be a kingdom of priests to the world, mm-hmm. to be a light to the nations, and it's a message which is being reinforced from generation to generation. Just like God said to Joshua, you will teach your kids, you will talk about this when you wake up, when you sit down, when you go to sleep, you'll have it on your doorposts, you'll have it on your right hand, you know." So this mission that the Jewish people have, it's so deep and yet, you know, one of the, I can't remember if it was Jajai, uh, Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson who said, it's not that God chose Abraham and the Jewish people, it's that the Jewish people chose God. So Abraham said yes to God when he was being persecuted by Nimrod mm-hmm. uh, to worship idols. He said, no, he chooses God because he saw the moon, he saw the sun, and he realized that there's someone more than those. And he chose God. And just like that, they talk about a story how God went to all the nations of the earth and offered them the Torah. But it was the Jewish people who said they will take it. And so they chose God, and that's why they are chosen by God. And they chose this mission. And that's one of the reasons why God said he loved Jacob and hated Esau, because Jacob embraced the mission. Of his father, whereas Esau rejected it. And so we have these people who represent the authority of God and godless people, just like King David said, they will fight, they will attempt a vain thing of trying to oppose the king of the universe. And so that's where it comes from. And, you know, over the years, you've had the kingdom of darkness fighting against the nation that's the light to the nations. And It's had its different manifestations, and today the state of Israel represents that manifestation. And why an apartheid state? Well, because apartheid is the only crime against humanity that's ever been pronounced by the United Nations. Mm -hmm. You can't get any worse than that. Um, And so how do you delegitimize a a national movement? It's by... Comparing it to the apartheid movement and education. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. You're now going to be listening to a very short YouTube by Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs on anti Semitism.
What is anti-Semitism? The short answer is this. There have been many definitions given, but the simplest is actually the earliest. The statement of perhaps the world's first anti-Semite, Haman, Haman, in the book of Esther. Haman says to Achashverosh, Yeshno am echad mufuzam forad benoamim vedatehem shonot mekol am. There is one people scattered throughout the peoples whose religion is different from all others. Anti-Semitism is dislike of the unlike. Jews were hated because they were different. Now you will say that everyone is different, and everyone is different. It's just that Jews were the only people consistently throughout history who insisted on the right to be different, even the duty to be different. And so they became the only nation in history not to assimilate to the dominant culture or convert to the dominant faith. And that is why anti-Semitism is the paradigm case of hatred in world history. And that is how we must fight in anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism begins with Jews, but it never ends with Jews. And the reason is because anti-Semitism is hatred of difference. But difference is what makes us human, precisely because every one of us is different from every other one of us. Each of us is unique, therefore irreplaceable, therefore sacred. Therefore, a nation that has no room for Jews has no room for humanity. And that is why we must stand together in the fight against anti-Semitism not just Jews, but everyone who cares for the sanctity of human life and the non-negotiable principles of freedom and dignity. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. My guest today is Pamela Ngobani, and I'm just going to read a few messages Philip Bayers in Australia has sent a message. Hello, Kaz. Philip is General Smuts's grandson, and he's related to me through marriage. Hello, Kaz. Yay for Les. What a wonderful lady Pamela is, and what an extraordinary family she has. I read Pamela's excellent article in Dave Kaplan's Lay of the Land yesterday. I stand in great respect for what she is doing for Israel and the Jewish people. Take care. And in this one, for thank you so much, Kazful. Lovely to hear from you. This is Carol Kruger saying, Morning, Sue. Your guest, Pamela, is extremely interesting. I could listen to her all day from Carol. Thank you both. That's great. Thank you. Okay. You you heard Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs. And the new um, uh, um, anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. It's just under a different name. When you were in Israel, what actually stood out for you that showed you that it was not an apartheid state? And when did you see that it could be? I had an experience when I was on the bus. By the way, Israel's got like the greatest 
public transport system in the world. And everyone's allowed on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was on a bus in Jerusalem and I drove past a university where a whole lot of young Arab ladies were graduating. They had on their hijabs, all of them in like the school uniform colors of blue and white. They had just graduated and they were there at the gates of the university celebrating. And I just thought, during apartheid, if black people had been celebrating in Pretoria their graduation, they would have had those brown uniformed police come and beat them up and humiliate them. Mm -hmm. Because how dare you subhuman creature show your joy in front of us? That wasn't happening, obviously. They were allowed to celebrate because Israel, like Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, is a humane nation. In fact, there's a saying that when you save a life, it's like you've saved the whole world. This is the Jewish ethos. And so to say that there could be any such inhumanity um, in Israel expressed by the Jewish people is just, it's actually an insult. Um, and so this this is what stood out for me more than anything. And then we also went to a school called the Tourism School, if I'm not mistaken. And they had kids from Ethiopia and Russia and all over the world, all Jewish kids and also Arab kids and also Christian kids and secular kids all together at the school learning as Israelis how to make the world a better place, how to experience their own full potential as individuals. And it's a big school, but somehow the teachers have crafted a curriculum where every individual is celebrated and nurtured. And just like Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, you know, that is what humanity is. All of us are different, but all of us are sacred at the mm -hmm. same time. Absolutely. And then when did you, th when did you actually see apartheid in Israel? Ironically, I saw apartheid when we went into Area A, where we, we didn't actually go into Area A, but we drove past in an armored bus because we were in the Judean hillside. And we drove past entrances into Area A where they had on red boards, no Jews allowed, no Israelis allowed. So anyone who had an Israeli number plate or anyone who was visibly Jewish, if they went into those Palestinian Authority controlled areas, would probably have been killed or arrested or something. I don't know what would have happened. But anyway, there was in big red letters, no Jews allowed. And so I thought this is very ironic is anyone from the United Nations concerned about the fact that there are no Jew areas in the Judean hills? Judean free. Yes, mm. exactly. You know, no blacks, no Jews. The, this is, that's what apartheid was. Um, and even here, no Jews were allowed in whites, in some white areas, in mm. a lot of white areas, you know. So I just, it goes back to this is anti Semitism. This is a decision to not allow Jewish people a place where they can be free to be Jews in safety. And what what could be more anti-Semitic than that, to deny Jews the right to be free and safe to be Jews? So, Pamela, what is your view for the future in as far as your work is concerned and getting your words out there? We have a lot of campaigns that we've planned with our Christian allies, one of them is a Hatikva competition. Hmm. So we're going to churches and schools and inviting them to participate in a Hatikva competition. Um, they will sing Hatikva 
and upload it onto our social media platforms and then our followers uh, who have liked our page will vote on who they think is the best. Obviously, Haitikva is the national anthem of Israel and we're doing this competition to celebrate Israel's 75 years um, of rebirth and we look forward to as many people participating as possible. That sounds wonderful. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson and I'm back with Pamela Ngobani. And we were talking about her views on Israel and how she's going to um, speak out and get other churches involved and to to change the narrative. You know, I I read a very interesting article of yours uh, about the Anglican Church, which I would suggest people would, would get hold of to read. And then also, you know, I was looking at different hospitals because I've had my own experience of this. And it it said Jewish and Arab health professionals unite in solidarity. And they are uniting and trying to show this peaceful coexistence and cooperation between Jews and Arabs against the growing conflict that's going on at the moment. And they they, they are united. And I have experienced that myself. Being uh, visiting my daughter when she was having a baby, she roomed in with a, an Arab woman who had twins. Uh, my, my my daughter's mother-in-law and I were sitting in the passage when the grandfather came, Arab grandfather. My daughter in, my daughter's mother-in-law is Moroccan, and so she speaks Arabic as well. And she was speaking to the grandfather in in Arabic, and he was offering us sweets and a baklava and and pink and white sweets, and everyone was celebrating. And the the nurse was Arab, uh, one of the doctors was Jewish, another one was Russian, who was awful. And <laughs> and I must admit, I saw there in the nursery looking into that nursery and seeing all these babies of all different nationalities, colors. And I actually said on LinkedIn the other day that I prayed that one day they could be brought up as brothers, and I still do. I don't give up hope on that. Maybe not in my lifetime, but it will happen. Pam, so you are spreading this message. And you yourself have found your own religion and strengthened your own religion. Um, would you do you want to speak about that for a moment? So I had a experience of re being reintroduced to Christianity in 2019. Christians call the experience being born again. So I started reading the Bible. And one of the things that hit me, first of all, was this incredible history that is recounted in what Christians call the Old Testament, but also realizing that Jesus was actually a Jew. That blew my mind because no one really talks about that in the Roman Catholic Church that I was raised in. And you realize that actually he was steeped in the Torah and these are the principles that we're being Exposed to, and that's why it's such a powerful thing to become a Christian because you actually are learning Torah, but in obviously a way that's easy to digest as a Gentile. Mm. Um, I think if you're not raised in the Jewish culture, there's a lot that you will you won't be able to understand. But the bare essentials, you know, of loving God and loving your fellow man, were very much brought home. 
the need to have a spiritual relationship with God based on a real truthful uh, communication through prayer and also the need to understand who God is uh, according to who he says he is. And um, Jeremiah 9 explains it very nicely where God says, Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, the strong in their strength or the wealthy in their wealth. Those who want to boast can boast only that they know me, that I display unfading love and I bring righteousness and justice into the world and I delight in these things. And that's a universally applicable truth which we have learned. That's beautiful. And we're going to end on that. And please, God, we will see people uniting um, and working together for a better world. As Nelson Mandela said, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. May we all live to actually live those words to enhance one another's lives. Thank you so much, Pamela. If you'd like to contact Pamela, you can. It's Pamela in Gabani, and you can find her on Friends of Israel and follow her there. Um, we're going to end now. I'm sorry that we were interrupted, but that's uh, nothing to do with us. Um, there's Shulam is going to sing us out with the face, the unknown. It won't come through on podcast, but you can download it yourself. Thank you so much, Pamela. Thank you, Sue.